0: Hi everyone! Today, me and Tete are doing yet another DC slash my character roleplay. Today, we'll be roleplaying Lois Lane, which is played by um, Tete here, and Malka from my series, The Book of Joel. As you can see, if you are watching on YouTube, which you should be, so click on the description in, click on the link in the description if you're on Anchor to go to the YouTube version of this here is Lois and she is wearing this sparkly green dress and she is standing behind Malka and Joel's in the background and they are in front of a museum this is where they're going to be meeting for the first time at least for uh, Lois and Malka because
1: Joel has already met Lois in a previous episode exactly so now it's going to be interesting to see how Lois interacts with Malka and who should go first Hmm. How about you? You go first. Okay, I'll go first. So um by the way, does um before I start, has Lois is Lois here because Joel called her or is it just a random coincidental meeting? What if Joel called her? Okay, Joe called her.
0: And they're all here to discuss a new exhibit at the museum. How about that?
1: Perfect. I think I think maybe Joel should approach her first so she can see him.
0: Right. So Joel is approaching her right now, and he says, hi, Lois. Thanks for coming.
1: Oh, there, Joel. I didn't expect to, I mean, uh, good to see you here. I mean, so you're here for the exhibit too, huh?
0: Yes, definitely. You know, Bruce told me about this exhibit, and, you know, it has a lot of these political underpinnings that I thought you would find very fascinating.
1: Oh, man. This says, I didn't know that uh, you know Bruce, too, huh? Oh, yeah. He's my boss, actually. What? You're working for Bruce now? That's amazing. How did... How did he hire you? I Usually, he never... I mean, such a big shot. I'm really surprised he took a chance on a... I mean, no offense, Joel. I mean, on a guy, you know, a newbie like you. Oh, yes. I'm surprised,
0: too. You know, I was seeing if it would have actually have anything to do with it. Because when I first saw his ad, I was like, oh, there's no way I could make it in. But who knows? And it would be interesting to get interviewed by a big shot, right? Even though there's no chance of that happening. So I reached out to him expecting nothing, but he reached out to me and he told me to meet at his penthouse. So I went and then we had an interview and he instantly hired me.
1: What a stroke of fortune. I never would have imagined that. But, you know, then again, once you get to know Bruce, he isn't such a bad guy. I'm glad you're working for him. He he seems kind of hard and kind of heartless on the surface, but oh, underneath, you know, he looks oh, out me. for people.
0: Out, that's true. And then Malkus says, yes, he's actually not a bad person. I have to agree. He does seem very kind of callous and distanced distance when you first know him but once you get to know him which me and Joel are currently getting to know him better he's actually quite considerate and very
1: loyal towards his friends that's fun. that's a that's an accurate description of Bruce there no know I've known him for a long time I mean I give a lot of my big scoops to him too mm-hmm. all right so let's go you? in sorry go go ahead sorry uh, so who are you if she points to Malka
0: Oh yes, so I am, I guess, you can see another friend of Bruce's, and, well, of course, I know Joel very
1: well. Oh. Very nice to meet you, Malka. I mean, I guess you already know me, I'm Lois, so... Then she kind of winks at Malka, and then at Joel. Are you two an item, then? Yes, we are, Joel says. He says, well, Joel, you're a very lucky man. I'm glad you found a really nice girl. And Malka, you're pretty lucky too. I mean, Joel's uh, Joel's a surprisingly deep and substantial fella. <laughs> and then Malka laughs. He is. He's
0: very fascinating. And, you know, he like Bruce, he's not as much of a terrible person
1: as he makes himself out to be. That's true. I think that's why I liked Joel when I first met him. He reminded me a lot of Bruce when I first met Bruce.
0: <laughs> yeah he was actually saying the other night to bruce that both bruce and and himself are kind of like the two two sides of the same coin even though you know when you look at how much money they earn and how much influence they have in society it's the complete opposite
1: that's right i mean you think with bruce and all of his money and influence I think he'd be a happy-go-lucky guy, but he's not really. He's kind of a kind of a somber, gloomy guy. But I think it just shows how much he thinks about gravity of the world. Mm-hmm. Just like Joel Mbaka says, That's true. When I first met Joel, he just looked so down. I thought like the whole weight of the world was on his shoulders. But I think once you get once you get to know these guys and talk to them they can be real swell Mm -hmm. all right let's go in now yes let's go in I'm very interested I got to write this article and I got to get it done by 5 p.m today oh how is it
0: like Malka says writing for um, you know such a short deadline
1: I'm used to it I've had shorter deadlines I've had deadlines where I've had to whip out an article in about 35 minutes flat and usually my editor's pissed off because he says that he doesn't... I don't know how to spell worth a damn, but anyway, he's got an article, he's got a good scoop, and we make some pretty damn good front pages at the planet, I'll tell you that. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, they are a group in The Sims now, so they
0: can go inside. Hey. (laughs) Entering the modern museum. I'm another person with random rabbit ears
1: that is so random i I don't know know how
0: many so many random sims who are like that no well at least they're wearing clothes (laughs) i've dressed them you know before those people with rabbit ears were walking around naked and bald i know i couldn't believe that like everything but why the you know why the rabbit ears if they're naked and bald you know because that was the only accessory they could think of getting My gosh. (laughs) Imagine if you saw that in real life. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, did you see that person in the background? So she has a random uh, Among Us sitting on her head and it's creating a glitch on her head. So I mean, on her face. So now her face is orange, (laughs) just like the Among Us.
1: (laughs) I can't believe she has an Among Us thing. It's so funny. A little Among Us (laughs) plushie.
0: So they're inside now contemplating these busts yes and then malka's reading the label on each of them so apparently they're supposed to symbolize capitalism
1: and commodification and then lois is like what a funny way to what a funny way to depict capitalism and she crosses her arms and huffs what do you take from it malka what do you think this symbolizes I think it symbolizes how people's
0: images are just used in marketing and, you know, kind of simplified, you know, emotional shorthand, to the point that we don't really know what it means to be a person anymore, because we kind of view ourselves as images to be consumed by society.
1: Like, you know, you're right. I mean, many ways, isn't this method just the same way they use things like propaganda? I think so. I think a lot of this advertising stuff that we see, you know, these giant
0: billboards and ads and stuff, I really think they are a form of propaganda
1: to get us to buy more things. You're very right about that, Malka. That's all it is. It's just to get us to buy their product and buy more of it. Really, it adds nothing to our life and empties our pockets. That's all really marketing and advertising and the whole scheme of it all is. I mean, I understand it's necessary, business has to flow, people have to make money, people need jobs, people gotta pay bills, but still in the long run, it's all just, it's all just manipulation, isn't it? It is, and it's a
0: form of um, conditioning, actually. It's like a more mild form of indoctrination, but it is still a form of indoctrination.
1: It is, you're very much right about that, I mean... I guess I was telling Joel, but uh-huh. tell you, I think I'm going to have to deal with some really nonsensical propaganda when I leave for the USSR in the next day or two. It's going to be oh, absolutely exactly ridiculous. Yes, Did you huh? tell her about it, Joel? Oh no, I didn't tell her about it, because I wasn't
0: sure what to make of it. You tell her, Lois, Joel says.
1: Alright, I will. Well, Lois, hold on to your hat. You're going to just listen to the most ridiculous thing they're sending me on. I can't believe the planet wasting money for me to go chase this rid- most ridiculous story you have ever heard what is so ridiculous about it malka says it's absolute bullshit propaganda from the ussr they claim that their science scientists have modified a single human man and he can do these great feats you're never gonna believe some of the things that he does what what does he do, Malka asks? Kind of confused? Oh, apparently. Well, you know that uh, there's a bit of a conflict going on right now. And believe it or not, they say that he can bend and strip metal. I mean, like huge tanks. It's just paper and crumbling them and throwing them aside. Like it was nothing more than cardboard boxes and newspaper. And if that doesn't sound more, any more ridiculous... That's I mean, what the, the biggest thing? kicker of this one is. It's it's so ridiculous. I I, I could just grow livid yeah, with how stupid it is.
0: Right. And then Joel interrupts them. It's well she says that they told her that this man can fly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And she looks at Malka after looking at Joel. Flying. And I mean and not flying in a craft or an airplane or a hang glider or you know, a floating parachute or something flying like he can actually defy gravity like a bird or something who's going to believe this rubbish i mean this is so ridiculously fantastical i can't believe it and what makes even more mad no evidence of it there's no photographs there's no film of this person actually existing i don't even know his name or what he looks like beginning to wonder if all this is just a ridiculous hoax and i'm probably going to go there and find empty storage room or something
0: well, they thinking out of it, don't they want to make an impression on you? So, if anything, they'll probably, I don't know, show you a propaganda film and say that person just can't meet you right now because he's out doing something, Joel says.
1: Propaganda film? Well, I guess you're right. I mean, I would have to make some really elaborate effects to do all that.
0: Hmm? Yeah, maybe they would do that.
1: What's and then all the Joel propaganda shrugs. Propaganda? I mean... Really trying to scare the enemy with that? I mean, I know I've heard accounts of, you know the, some of the guys who actually survived the attack. But still, I'm just wondering if they were delirious or if things got lost in translation over the uh, Associated Press telegraph. Well,
0: Joel says the only way that you can find out is if you actually t- go there and see what happens.
1: You're right. You're right don't want to be made a fool out of but i'll tell you this i'm going to make a fool out of them well i'm going to really i mean i I gotta be diplomatic but i'm definitely i'm definitely taking this hoax right, right right into the ground right and now they walk into the other part of the museum lois is still mad thinking about how her trip and she's not looking forward to it Malka
0: notices and asks her, hey, you know, you shouldn't be overthinking about it.
1: I guess I shouldn't, but still. I just hate it when people try to do this kind of mass deception, like advertising. I mean, this is kind of like advertising because it's just propaganda indoctrination. And I just wish... Honestly, you'd think some place like the USSR would think people have more reason and logic than to believe such a childish fantasy. Well,
0: Malka says, we in the U.S. also, you know, believe in a lot of childish fantasies, don't we?
1: That's very true. I hate to admit it, but you're right. I mean, in your opinion, Malka, what do you think is the biggest childhood, uh, child fantasy that we have here in the States? The American dream. That's true. That's even more ridiculous than a man flying, I'll tell you that it hurts people malcus says it hurts people it makes them say oh you know if we if
0: i live like this you know if i put in all this effort i'm going to eventually achieve the american dream and as she shrugs but what is the american dream right like what is it it's so nebulous and it's just this idea that somehow america just because it was founded by a certain you know group of founding fathers it's a, supposedly a superior country where everyone's dreams will come true and as she He's sighs like-
1: You and I know that too well, don't we, Malka? I mean, it's harmful. It's harmful, it is. I mean, people get depressed. Some people kill themselves over not being able to accomplish that dream. And to be honest, I think the whole world is the same all around. Maybe with just a few differences here and there. Only thing I can say, only good thing I can think about being in the States is that at least, for the most part, free to do your mind and people can go out and do really crazy things without, you know, sort of get away with crazy things, I think.
0: Mm, not really, Marcus says. If you're accused of being a red spy, you're, you're probably going to get killed or, you know, arrested.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. You've got a good point. I guess there is really no way for... well guess if you're an eccentric artist with no political leanings i guess you could do that or if you're a i don't know trying to think uh eccentric person living in a cabin or whatever Guess as as long as you're not upsetting anything political or legal people leave you alone i think for the most part
0: and that's the case in other nations too but we only hear about when people get in trouble but that's probably because of all the political stuff And America always wants us to believe that they are, the, you know, we are the freest nation, that somehow we are so
1: unbiased or something. Got a good point, Malka. I guess sometimes I try to cling on to ideals too much. I want to see something better. I'd like to see a lot of things change here, not only here in this city or even this state, but all over the country. I'd like to see a lot more change.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And then Joel says he's looking at the ships, which are you know making up the the exhibition, and they're all a bunch of model ships, and each of them is very very detailed. And he says, you know, as for me, I think I guess you ladies might not like to hear it, but growing up, and even as a young man, even <laughs> up until a few weeks ago, the biggest lie I thought that was present in American society or all of human society was the concept of And then Malkus says, don't say it. He says, love.
1: And then Lois (laughs) kind of kicks back her head and laughs a bit. Like, really? You, Joel? Well, it doesn't surprise me. I guess you are that kind of man, aren't you?
0: Yes, he says. I know. And I'm not going to go too much into it because I think I'm over it now, but this idea, I thought, of forming an intimate bond with someone, <clears throat> I didn't really think it was necessary. And I'm saying, I'm not saying some people don't derive joy from it. Of course, some people do. But the idea that everyone should get it and that, oh, if you try hard enough, you'll get it, I think is a fallacious lie. There's people, because of their personality, because of their situation, and a whole host of other factors, they will never be able to get it. But society loves to tell us that you will. And it's like holding you know, a delicious um, snack in front of a starving dog and always moving it away
1: when he gets closer. Lois looks thoughtfully at him, and then she looks thoughtfully at the ships. She looks thoughtfully back at Joel, and she's like, says, Now, Joel, I think your description is pretty right. I mean, concept of love it's been presented in many societies, it's overly idealized and kind of a commodity. And being I believe it does exist. It has to exist or else why would it be in existence? Why would it be an actual concept in societies? But for the most part does it doesn't really bring happiness? I was kind of talking about it with Bruce a few weeks ago. We just kind of bumped into a cafe and seen each other in a bit. He's been kind of busy with a lot of his, um, oh, let's just say ambitions he's been having lately, especially with aircraft. But anyway, I was talking to him and, you know, we were talking about, you know, people getting together, falling in love. It can be kind of a scary thing, especially if you're very different or don't understand each other that well or, Maybe one or both people have too many flaws. Can they make it work? And then I was thinking about that, too. And then Bruce said that maybe sometimes having an attachment is more painful because you never know if you'll lose it or if you'll drift apart. And just telling me that sometimes the sudden loss of something isn't so bad. It's when you gradually fall apart that hurts the most. And then Alice blinks her eyes times and looks down as if she's thinking of a painful memory and then she tries to smile bravely right and joel looks at her sadly and he
0: continues i understand for me i think the worst thing is realizing that you've been self-deluding yourself all along you wanted to believe that you know you were right but you realized that you knew you were wrong all along but you just tried to convince yourself you were right because of your ego and by the time you realized you were wrong all along, you know, you don't want to admit it because it's so painful to realize that you've been wrong.
1: And Lois says, "Well, what made you what made you see the light?" as they would say? I don't know. I, I, I
0: don't think it was a gradual process. It was more like I, 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 th- I think it was more like I just stopped thinking about the issue. You know, I stopped making it into a problem. Some problems are just kind of self-constructed. Maybe it's better to not think about it. Maybe there isn't a problem.
1: I think you're right. Maybe for many things in life, it's not a problem. I mean, I think, um, and she looks over at Malka. Do you think somebody helped you with that?
0: Yes, definitely. I think, you know, previously I was too trapped inside my own head. I think that was another problem. You know, when you're so obsessed with thought experiments and all these things, like all these hypotheticals inside your head,
1: you know, you kind of lose track of what's really important. She nods and she says, That's true. So you say that maybe Malka helped you get out of that mindset? And she kind of winks at him. Definitely.
0: And then Malka says, definitely, I agree too. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that he really took the step to talk to me more and actually stop rejecting everything because of some kind of, you know, principle he had, I think he would have still remained the same. But I think, Joel, you told me this before. You didn't really want to be like this for much longer. You were kind of sick and tired of it. And Joel nods.
1: And she's, and then she, Lois is looking. then I think it's of maybe you two are sort of an exception to a lot of things. Maybe you two are the genuine proof that I think if two people understand each other and make it work, it can it can come to fruition,
0: definitely. And then Malka says, I think a lot of the most important things about these kind of relationships is that you just really have to. And then she's like, I'm not really sure how to put it in words, but you just have to think about
1: what, how
0: you communicate and what draws you together.
1: Said you're absolutely right. I mean, not only communicating, but being clear about it, being honest. I think being consistent, even when the going gets tough, you just don't push people out of the way, even if you're hurting real bad. Let me adopt I think that's when you reach out to people more don't you think
0: it depends and it depends on who you're reaching out to in the particular situation but yes if that person matters to you i think you should Ah, oh, huh.
1: i think you're right i for somebody i kind of wondered if something might have happened with us but i guess he didn't want it at that point and i had to close the door on that but now he wants to open the door again but Hate to disappoint him, but that door is closed now. I I have I have a whole new, you know chapter in my life. I've got to get through. i you know I'm I'm on a new river. I'm not on his same river anymore.
0: That makes sense. And now they're going to the second floor.
1: Ooh, looks like there's more interesting statues. Yes,
0: they pass a knight's an, a, a, a suit of armor. And, you know, there's a lot of abstract paintings on the walls.
1: That's fascinating. Wonder what, wonder what they will think of them.
0: Oh, yeah, this one looks like something from the 19th century.
1: Oh, it looks like something from uh, Lermontov's The Demon.
0: Um, oh, yes. So they passed that. They passed by this painting, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that it looks like a 19th century you know, those romantic landscapes of giant trees, giant dark trees and this white landscape.
1: And then Wonder Malka what? looks Wonder... at it. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, have maybe Malka comments on it first because she has a romantic mind.
0: Right. Malka looks at it and
1: she says, this is beautiful. Lois, what do you think of it? Lois looks at it, tilting her head back and forth. Well, oh, I think it's rather striking with its contrast, don't you think? Joel looks at it. I agree. It is. And then he
0: thinks about it. Mm, isn't, isn't, is this a romantic piece, I think, from the 19th century? And Malka says, yes, I think it is. You know, it really reminds me of uh, the art songs, you know, by Schubert and Schumann.
1: And Lois claps her hand. Some of my favorite stuff. So you're a music lover, huh, Malka? Yeah, you could say that. Are you? Definitely. I mean, I grew up on Schumann and Schubert. I love it. I, I mean, even though, even though we really couldn't afford a lot of times to see music, you know, lively performed. I mean, Dad always had a hankering for the violin, so he was always whipping it out and you know, trying to coax a few sweet notes out of those old strings. And then
0: <laughs> Mal
1: collapses,
0: and she's like, that sounds like someone we know, don't we, Joel? And Joel's like, oh, don't remind me of him. Oh, and who's that?
1: He a violinist?
0: Oh, yeah, he's sort of a violinist. I mean, he's not an official one, but growing up, he played it a lot and he was kind of a show off about it. And I guess he's earned the nickname of the, the violinist. But I mean, he's not a real violinist, Joel says
1: oh i see he's one of those gifted kids huh
0: oh yes he's unbearably annoying and still is and then malka laughs
1: like boy do i know a lot of people like that really get my goat well sorry, had to put up with his scratching my dad was a pretty decent player though i think he could have if he had more training he probably could have worked for an orchestra i think
0: yeah, Malka says, that sounds really fascinating, working for an orchestra. It's, it seems kind Wouldn't. of like a dream, almost. You know, it's so fun, the idea of, you know, playing the violin and just creating this amazing song with a bunch of other people who are playing different instruments, but they're all playing the same song at the same time.
1: says, yeah, I really wish my dad would have made it. I think he would have done really great. He had a lot of passion for it, too. I guess life had other things for dad. Oh well. But I guess we could look at more of these paintings. I do like this romantic landscape. I I feel like I've seen it somewhere before. The landscape itself, not the painting. Hmm. It's one of those deja vu things.
0: It looks like Germany or something, I think. Joel says.
1: Germany? Somewhere with a lot of woods, maybe... I don't know, maybe the countryside of different countries. I don't know, it just feels very familiar.
0: Now they're looking at a painting with uh it looks like a red forest with white uh trees. Birch tree. yeah, white birch trees.
1: Oh, I like this, she says. I always like birch trees. There's something kind of noble looking about them, isn't there? Oh yes, Malka says. I think it's because of the simplicity is simple, it's just so simple to understand and it's kind of like an earnest innocence about the simplicity, isn't there? Yes,
0: and the texture of birch is very interesting too. It is
1: it's kind of rough, appealing, and first you almost think it's kind of ugly or unappealing, but then once you see this smooth bark underneath, you're really impressed with the quality of just how beautiful it looks.
0: And then Malka says, "I think um the Russian poet Esenin wrote a song or a poem about birch trees."
1: You're right. You're right. He did. I mean, are you a big poetry fan too? Hmm. Malca says, "Not,
0: not really. Some sometimes a lot of poetry goes over my head because you know it's so, it's so vague. But I do like a lot of the emotions in there." It's
1: true. I mean. Like quite a bit of po- poetry myself. I mean, I'm trying to remember that poem.
0: What I think are you you're thinking right. About?
1: Poem by Seinen. Oh, you know it too. I do. I think. Well, if it's translated in English, it says, "And the birch stands in sleepy silence, and the snowflakes burn in golden fire." The dawn lazily walking around sprinkles branches with new silver. Oh.
0: And then Joel says, the dawn? As in the dawn region in Russia?
1: No, oh, no, the dawn, like, you know, the sun. You know, like, oh. when you're looking at the morning and, you know, you're thinking, oh, you know, here's tomorrow, you know.
0: Right. He's like, it's because I have a friend. Um, He is actually from the dawn region.
1: Oh, really? All the way from there? I mean, So what, I mean, what is he? Is he an immigrant or what?
0: He's not an immigrant. Um, He's actually representing the USSR as a boxer.
1: What? (laughs) That's crazy. So who, what's his name? What does he do? Like, is he, is he like a professional boxer?
0: Yes, he is. And his name is Andrei Danilovich Novokshinov.
1: It's a mouthful. What a ridiculously long name. I bet he's quite a character, isn't he?
0: Oh, he can be, but he he's a good friend.
1: I'm glad to hear it. I'd like to meet him sometime. Maybe he can give me some maybe some insight into this bullshit I'm actually going into. <laughs> oh,
0: definitely. And now they look at a still life that is right behind them.
1: Uh-huh, and it looks like it's like a, uh-huh. a bowl of pears.
0: Yeah, it is. I think this is made with um a Oils. Oil oil painting, Malka says.
1: Right, it is, says Lois. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I always wondered, why do people like to draw still life? What's the meaning of it? Malca says, well, I don't
0: think there is a meaning, really, but there might be one. Well, first of all, people draw them because it's a good way to practice shading, especially for people who are new to art. Or you know they want to practice a new uh, palette, you know, because a lot of these, these still lives have a very intimate
1: palette, you could say. I guess they do. I mean, maybe it's maybe once you look at still life, maybe you start thinking about more intimate, smaller aspects of life. Maybe.
0: Yes, and you know there was a French painter. I cannot re- quite recall his name right now but he was the one who really popularized still lives says, you know before no one really thought about them maybe just as sketching exercises but he really popularized them into an art form you know where people really start exper experimenting with different brush strokes colors and you know kind of hot- bringing life into still life so to speak you know making it look alive because there is an art to that. It's not just, you know, a photographic representation of, you know, a bunch of things in front of
1: us. It's true. He says I think his name is Chardin, Chardin I think. Chardin, Painter. yeah. She's
0: like, yes, yeah. that was him. Yes. And he he was the one who revolutionized revolutionized it especially during that time period when most paintings were resolved were basically reserved sorry i'm falling asleep so that's why i'm just making bad errors with my words so um yeah they were back then most paintings were reserved for mythological and biblical stories or portraits of noblemen not for small things like this
1: true I think it's good to look at the small things they make us more human and when we make our world small it just simplifies everything and it kind of brings a comforting gra- grounding to it doesn't it definitely and joel nods i
0: agree i think sometimes i'm kind of overwhelmed by things that are too big in scope so i appreciate the focus on the smaller things
1: good to focus on the small things i I wish I could do that more often. I wish I had a more slower-paced life and focusing on the small stuff. I don't know. Maybe after all this nonsensical trip, maybe when I come back, maybe I'll ask. A, maybe I'll ask my editor for a vacation.
0: It's starting to get very late in the museum, almost ten. Suddenly, over the intercom, someone is saying, "It's definitely the management staff." Ten more minutes
1: until the museum closes. Ten more minutes. Lois is like, "Well, I guess we better start getting out, or they'll lock us up with all these relics." Then, yeah, I think we should. Yeah, well, it's too bad. But we'll, we'll take
0: the we'll take a quick look at the third floor, right? And then they run upstairs oh, and they policy. see a statue on the floor, which is, which catches their eyes because everything else on this floor is a painting, but there's a random statue. Or a mannequin of a woman on the floor with no arms.
1: And Lois looks at it, and she's like, oh, That's a very odd uh, installation art. It represents. What do you think, Joel? And Joel is staring at it quite intently, and he says, I think
0: it represents a lot of things. What do you think, Lois? I
1: don't know. Maybe it's just sort of a take on the Ve- the Venus statue, and... Since her arms are broken, maybe it means that some people are powerless against a lot of things. Like, maybe, maybe they're maybe they're trying to embody an ideal, but they're essentially powerless. Or
0: commodification of, you know, the female form and advertisements, Joel says.
1: It's very true. And then she says, what do you think, Malka? What do you think it is?
0: I think it. I agree with you, Lois. That it's about you know the lack of power. I think a lot of women in the society do feel like you know we don't have enough power because you know sometimes we're it's not so simple about you know not having certain jobs, not enough female CEOs or something like that. Sometimes it's way more subtle, such as you know family expectations and the weight of them.
1: Exactly, you're very much right, and. It's kinda of binding, like almost like we don't have arms in a way. Exactly. And we can't even do anything for ourselves. Uh-huh. Exactly. Interesting take on this. I like how it's surrounded by all these paintings and it's the only one. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Well, there's also a random flamingo here. And Malka says, quickly before we go,
1: do you know what the flamingo stands for in America? And she's like, I don't even want to know. She's like, I think it's ridiculous. What does this little pink bird from Argentina, what's that supposed to tell us? Well, it's about the American dream. And how is it represented by a little flamingo? Well, sometimes, maybe you
0: haven't seen it here, but if you go out to the suburbs, you're going to see a lot of these flamingos in people's lawns. So it's supposed to represents this idea, this boundless idea in American society that, you know, if you have the perfect lawn, the perfect house, you know, the fence, the two kids, the car, then you've made it.
1: Yes, you're right. It's such so, it's such a tacky item though. It just boils my blood. I hate it.
0: That's just how American sell American society sells the American dream. It is tacky, isn't it?
1: It is tacky, you're right. It is. I I don't even want to think about this. Who on earth would have this thing? It no offense to the bird, but it is ugly. <laughs> and
0: Joel laughs and he's like, "Well, I think Sam would love it."
1: Probably would. Judging by how crazy your friend is, he would like something this tacky, I bet.
0: Yeah, he would he would ask, "Why is it not neon green?"
1: That would actually be an improvement over that awful pink.
0: Well, Sam loves pink too, but he also loves neon ne- neon green. Sometimes he can't make up his mind, which is better.
1: They all both sound like horrible color combinations. I hope I never see that. Mm-hmm. Where did Lois go? I guess she's trying to make sure they don't lock the door on them. Yeah, now they're closed. running
0: out and waiting for Lois, <laughs> but we don't know where she went. Is she in the washroom?
1: did lois no lois. she's gone she le- oh, oh she had to she had to turn in her article oh yeah she's working her, on her article it.
0: somewhere like writing like a maniac
1: she's right she's just jotting it down like a maniac just dashing it off to mr white before he yells at her
0: but yes i think she left
1: i think she left so this was a very uh, interesting trip and discussion between these three i think it was very um thought-provoking
0: it was. I think we learned so much. We had such great role plays tonight. Thank you so much for joining, <laughs> guys.
1: Very. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Alright, bye.